Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. So I want you to turn on your iPads to Mark chapter 15, or in your Bible, or whatever you've got. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to take just 20 minutes with you just to share something from God's word and then we'll get the, we'll get the kettle on again. We haven't got a kettle anymore, have we? We've got a machine. Yeah. And um, I want to share a very familiar story from the Bible. It's the, um, it's the story about the crucifixion of uh, Jesus, a very, very well-known piece from the Bible. And uh, we're in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. And let's pick up the reading from verse 25, shall we? Verse 25. And I'm reading from the New NIV, so it might be a little different to what you have. It was the third hour when they crucified him, nine o'clock in the morning. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down now from the cross and save yourself. Then come to verse 33. At noon, at 12 o'clock, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. You might have the Roman time in your Bible there. And at three in the afternoon, is that the ninth hour? Yeah. At the ninth hour, the three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. And I just want you to remember just that little tiny detail because that will be important in a moment. He cried out in a loud voice. And he cries out in Aramaic here, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then come down to verse 37, and notice another little detail. With a loud cry, is that what it says in your Bible, something like that? With a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask you, as we just come around your word, just for a few minutes, I pray that the power of the gospel will be released here today. I pray that people's lives will be changed. I pray that bodies will be miraculously healed. And I pray that the will of God will be done 
uh, in these next few moments. Lord, your word says that we need ears to hear. And so that's what I pray, that all of us will have ears to hear what you're saying. We believe you are a God who speaks. So speak now through this passage into our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Many, many years ago, my, uh, my mum and dad used to watch a film at Easter time. And the film, I can't remember what it was, but it was one of these Jesus films. And we weren't a religious family. I became a Christian when I was 18. So this is when I was five, six, maybe 10 years old. But we always used to watch this Easter film about Jesus. And my mum had a favorite bit in it. And it was this scene here. Because the part of the Roman centurion was played by John Wayne. Now, some of you may not know who John Wayne is. John Wayne normally played cowboys. And John Wayne was in this film dressed as a Roman centurion. And he had one line. Goodness knows how much they paid him to do it. But he had one line. And his line was, surely. This, I can't do John Wayne's voice, but I'll give it a, surely. This man was the son of God. It's exactly the same as he might have said, get off your horse and drink your milk. You know, that kind of, Just stood there. And my mum loved this. And we watched this film, usually just for this bit in the film. Anyway, I want to ask a question today, because I want to talk about this Roman centurion who probably didn't have a big American accent, okay, But I want to ask the question, why did he say those words then and there? What's going on here? How did he know that? What made him... I mean, the Romans were not Christians, of course not. Uh, They they weren't of the Jewish faith, right? They uh, had many gods. They worshipped Caesar and, and they had idols in their... In their homes, if you've seen the movie Gladiator, they carry these little gods around with them and little, you know, bits of cloth. So given that the Roman centurion was not a Christian or a Jew or of any shape uh, or size, what happened to him at the cross on Good Friday? What happened to him that made him suddenly say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now maybe we'll never know, but I want to give you what I think are a few clues from the passage. The first thing I think that might have happened, and there are three of these. Number one, the first thing that I think might have happened that day is that he saw in Jesus a sinless character. This man, the centurion, he wasn't just a soldier. He was in charge of the crucifixions. And I suspect that this was not his first day on the job. This man was in charge of putting people to death. He's an executioner. And I don't know if you can imagine what would have happened 
as people were being crucified, but I suspect they were not crucified in a genteel way. I suspect that if you were going to be crucified, and as big burly Roman soldiers pushed you against a piece of wood, began to drive a nail through one of your wrists or hands. Do you know what these guys would do? Of course, they would kick. They would curse. They would swear. They would hurl insults at those who were putting them to death. And as they were lifted up onto the cross, the Bible says in one of the Gospels that the men began to curse and scream and swear. And that would be a normal thing to happen. They would call down curses on their executioners from whatever gods they had. But I want to bring you to Good Friday, where Jesus Christ is crucified. And as Jesus Christ is crucified, the Bible says this, that he opened not his mouth. In other words, he was completely peaceful. Not only that, not only that, but as they drove the nails through his hands and feet, we're actually told in the Gospel of Luke of something that Jesus said as that was happening. He said these words, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are that centurion. You are used to being kicked and cursed and punched. You're used to maybe hating this job with a passion. But on that one day, that altogether different day, the man that he crucified forgave him. And the Roman centurion said to himself, I have crucified hundreds of people. But never before today have I seen such a sinless man. He's even forgiven me. Maybe there's something different about him. The second thing I think might have happened that day The Bible says that the the Roman centurion stood close to the cross. It says it in verse 39 in your Bible. He was standing close to the cross of Christ. When you stand close to people, you can overhear their conversations. The Bible says that on the day Jesus was crucified, he wasn't crucified alone. And in fact, there was one man on his left and the other on his right. We read it earlier on. So Jesus was in the middle that day, just like you see in the films. That's that's an accurate portrayal of what, what happened. And the Bible says that on either side of him, actually sometimes we call them the thieves, but they would have had to have been pretty pretty. high ranking criminals to be um, crucified. They weren't just pickpockets. And as these men were hanging on the cross, the Bible says this, 
that they began to hurl insults down onto the people below, but they also hurled them at Jesus. And then something happened. We read in the Gospel of Luke that one of the men had a change of heart. And one of these men on the cross, he began to think about his life. He began to think about death. You would, wouldn't you? And he began to think about the mess that he'd made of his life. All the things that he'd done wrong. And somehow, and we don't know how it happened, he saw in Jesus the face of a man who could save him somehow. Not save him from the cross that he was on, but save him beyond the grave. And we don't know how he knew that. But something of the Holy Spirit opened his eyes in the same way the Holy Spirit will open your eyes today. Because this morning we want you as well to see in Jesus the face of a Savior. Someone who can save you. And so he turned to him. In fact, he shouts across to the other man, shut up, leave him alone. Leave him alone. We deserve to die, he says. What an amazing statement from him. We deserve to die. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And all the time, the captain is standing nearby. He hears it all. And then the man turns, looks into the face of Jesus and says this, Lord Jesus, remember me. When the kingdom comes, remember me. And Jesus turns to him, doesn't he? And he says these words, you can read these in Luke, Gospel chapter 23. He says, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. He wasn't saving him from his death. But he was saving him from the judgment that was to come. The Roman captain saw in Jesus a sinless life. And then he heard a saving message. I've seen many crucifixions. I've seen many people die, but I never heard a conversation like this. Number three, and this is the most powerful one of all. Something amazing happened when Jesus died that isn't obvious when you first read the text, but I want to, sh I want to show you today. See what you think about it when you go home. Have a think about this. What we know about crucifixion is that it wasn't actually designed to kill people. It was actually designed to keep them alive. They died eventually. But if you want to execute someone, you just take off their head. But crucifixion was actually designed to keep people alive and tortured for a prolonged period of time. 
And when a man is dying on a cross, eventually he dies from asphyxiation. If he hasn't died from pain and blood loss. But essentially he dies from asphyxiation. Because as you're being nailed onto the cross, archaeologists tell us this. That all throughout, you're trying to pull yourself up in order that you might be able to breathe. I want you to listen carefully to these details because then you'll understand the story so much more. All the time on the cross, Jesus wants to be able to breathe. And they lift themselves up, which is a painful thing to do when you're nailed, and try to breathe. Your mouth will become so dry. That's why Jesus asked for a drink in the Gospel of John on the cross. But eventually, and sometimes it could take three days, they would become exhausted from it. Unable to lift themselves up. And they would asphyxiate. That's how they died. But before that happened, they would lose their voice. And yet something happened here that we noticed earlier. That on two occasions, the gospel writer tells us this. That Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Jesus didn't die in an ordinary way. Jesus didn't die from the asphyxiation normally associated with crucifixion. The Bible says that the Roman centurion stood there in front of Jesus. Look at verse 39. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, this man is the son of God. Jesus didn't die Because of asphyxiation. And he didn't die from pain. Catch this today. Maybe for the first time ever. Jesus died because he chose to die. He chose to die. In fact, the other gospel writers tell us this. That just before he died. He cried out with a loud voice and it tells us what he said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. At his own command he died. At his own will he died. Not at the will of his breathing system. Not at the will of the pain in his body. But at his own will. Jesus gave his life. And the Roman centurion. Standing next to the cross. Looking up and seeing a man. Who dies at his own wish. Says, I have crucified hundreds of people. And I've seen many people die. But I never saw a man 
die like this. A man who chooses to give his life. His life is not taken away, but he gives his life. It reminds me of what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. He says this, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. Now, I don't know what went through this centurion's head. But as he saw this happen, Jesus' sinless life, Jesus' saving message, and now his supernatural death. Something happened inside his head. There's only one person who has the power of life and death. There's only one person who can decide when someone lives and when someone dies. There's only one person who has ultimately got the power of life and death and that person is Almighty God. And yet, he looks like a man. He looks like a man. He feels like a man. He breathes like a man. He speaks like a man. But he's not a man. He is almighty God. And as all these things begin to explode inside that Roman captain, when he saw how he died, this man hanging there in the middle, he's no ordinary man. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Truly, this man is the Son. life was changed in an instant. And we have a message for you today that we bring to this city along with all the other great churches that are here. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is brilliant. A great teacher. Yes, a prophet indeed. But so much more. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, like that man on the cross, all of us have done things that are wrong. When that man cried out on the cross that day, we deserve to die. What he was saying is this, we've, we've, we've blown it. We don't deserve mercy because we've made so many mistakes. Now, it's very possible today that you are not a criminal and a thief. But all of us have done things wrong. Especially me. Not only have we broken the laws of God, but we've even broken our own laws, the ones that were a bit easier than the laws of God. Everyone's got laws and everyone breaks them. Actually, many people have stolen things 
small things. I wonder if you've ever told a lie. Or perhaps we should say, how many lies do you think you told just this week? We failed the Ten Commandments. We've even failed our own commandments. And our wonderful message to you is this. That if you can just recognize that in yourself, you're a candidate to have a life-changing experience with God. Because the face of Jesus is the face of a savior. Now let me tell you this. He's not going to save you from your MOT. He's not going to save you from your, from your credit card bill. He may not save you from bad plumbing. He might not even save you from a very sore back. But he comes as we hear every Christmas to save us from our sins. And God saw the need of the world. And so what he did was this. He disguised himself as a man. Jesus Christ. He came to the earth. And everywhere he went, wonderful miracles happened and people were amazed at his wisdom. Well, he was God after all. And then, at just the right time, he gave himself over to being arrested. And they nailed him to the cross. The cross is like the electric chair of the Roman world. And as they nailed him to the cross, he was giving his life for you. The life of Jesus wasn't taken, it was given. And Jesus went to the electric chair for me. For all the lies, for all the laws of God that I've broken, he went to the electric chair for me. He was executed taking the punishment for everything I've done wrong. And here's the good news. Everything you've done wrong as well. All the things you've done wrong that no one knows about except inside your own head. Not even your wife or your husband knows. He died in my place and in your place so that he could save you. And if you could but Turn your life in God's direction. We're not talking about becoming weird and religious. You're weird enough already, aren't you? But we are talking about becoming a genuine follower of Jesus. You read his word and you do what he says. And are you going to make... Plenty of other mistakes in the future. Absolutely, you are. You'll be forgiven, not perfect. Forgiven, not perfect. The greatest need you have is to be forgiven. That's what the Bible says. I want you to imagine you have a rash on your body. Let's imagine you're a lady and you have a rash around your tummy. So you go and see the GP. And you say, look, look at my rash. And you're hoping to get some wonderful cream. 
But while the doctor is looking at your rash, the doctor's very good and the doctor notices maybe there's some, maybe there's a lump on the breast. Maybe there's some cancer here. And you know what? You can sit in that surgery and talk about your rash, but the doctor knows that there's a cream to handle that. But the most important thing is we deal with something that is life-threatening. And I don't know what it is that you want God to do for you. And God is good. And he does great things for us. But your greatest need, the greatest need you have is not a new house. The greatest need you have is not a, a big, long holiday in the sun or in the snow, whatever takes your fancy. The greatest need you have is not another job. The greatest need you have is not to be able to walk again or hear better again. These are all wonderful things to have happen. But it's like a rash when there's something more life-threatening in our lives. You need to be forgiven. And we've got wonderful news. You don't have to do anything except receive Jesus' forgiveness. You don't have to suddenly become very good to make up for all the bad. No. He's come to save his people from their sins. Jesus is the son of God. And he laid down his life taking the blame for you. I'll finish with this. Many, many years ago, I was at school and we had a teacher called Mr. Sheen. Now, can you imagine how funny it was when the polish came out? <laughs> For years, he was just Mr. Sheen, and then the polish came out. And it was, all right, all right, Mr. Sheen. We loved it. But one day, I was at the back of the class, and someone was chatting. And Mr. Sheen, he liked to smack people. I don't know whether you're allowed to do that now, are you? Maybe I could report him to the police. Uh. But Mr. Sheen, he said, you boy, pointing at me, talking, are you? And I went, no, a likely story. And he called me to the front. And he whacked me on the behind. And I promise you, please believe me, it wasn't me. I might have been talking on other occasions, but on that occasion, it wasn't me. But he whacked me. I forgive him, Lord, just about. <laughs> but he sure polished me off. Oh, he smacked me badly. Whew. And I took the blame for someone else. Well, it's a funny story and I'll have to forgive him one day, I know. But actually that's what God's done for us. He's taken the, he's taken the punishment. That's what the cross is. It's God taking the blame. Taking not just the blame but but the consequences, the punishment. And if you would just begin to believe in him,
follow him. Take his word seriously. Become a follower of Jesus. You also will receive the forgiveness of God. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.